0: If we look at the Bible, the Holy Scriptures, especially if we look at the beginning of it and at the end of it, we see something rather remarkable. The sacred writings begin with the story of creation and how the very crown of God's creation is brought into being when we hear the voice of God proclaim, Let us create man in our own image and likeness. And as the Scriptures go on, they tell us, God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And so the very beginning of God's self-revelation, the crown of his creation, is manifested in the family unit of man and woman. The very image of God is the marriage covenant. St. Paul in this letter to the Ephesians in the New Testament speaks of marriage as a sign of the love of Christ for His Church, no wonder the blessing of the marriage ceremony is uh, reads that is the one blessing not forfeited by original sin or washed away by the flood. But this is not all. When we turn to the very end of the Bible, we read the account of the heavenly vision given by God to Saint John the Evangelist a heavenly account in which nothing but the beautiful self-giving of a bride could suffice to image. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, the book the book reads, the holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. How startling this is that the whole Bible, the entire written revelation of God is surrounded by bookended by, framed by, the marriage covenant. There must really be something to it. So today we take up the challenge of the Holy Family, the challenge to take a real, deep, serious look at what family is all about. Today's wonderful feast of the Holy Family is not just a way of filling in the blanks of the Christmas season. Our admiration for Jesus, Mary, and Joseph can know no limit Mary and Joseph, both so willingly accepted the challenge of being the family into which the God-man, the Savior, the Lord, would be born. Their determination in in traveling and their courage in traveling to Bethlehem to find a place for the Christ child to be born and then having to be born in a stable and laid in a manger And we admire their courage and their strength in fleeing to Egypt before the rage of the murderous King Herod and their struggle, their poverty, their simplicity of life. We can't say enough about the Holy Family of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. And our only hesitation in speaking their praises is the realization that we inevitably leave something out, a virtue worthy of praise. Or a tale worthy to tell. And yet we take the risk. So today, what can we say today about the Holy Family? Of what virtue should we speak? What should we focus on? Which is the one that will help our families to be healthy and holy? Let's take a look at the scriptures. It's no surprise really that the Ten Commandments begin with three that pertain to our relationship with God. You have, shall have no God beside me. Do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And remember, keep holy the Sabbath day. And then there's seven that deal with our relationship with others. And what's the first of these? Perhaps it should be that you shall not kill or not commit adultery. Nope. It's honor your father and your mother. It's no surprise then that our first reading from Sirach begins, God sets a father in honor over his children, a mother's authority he confirms over her sons. It's no surprise that our second reading admonishes, children obey your parents in everything, for this is pleasing to the Lord. And we just heard our gospel today, very remarkable. It's the only glimpse that we have into the life of Jesus after his infancy but before his adulthood when he comes to be baptized by John in the Jordan, the only picture of his childhood. And so we realize that this gospel today could end in no other way, that when Mary and Joseph found the child Jesus, he went down with them and was obedient to them. Jesus' will was always in perfect harmony with his heavenly Father's, How could he have done otherwise when Mary and Joseph came to him? Is it not Jesus' obedience to the Father that led him ultimately to the cross so that all of us could be saved? How beautiful are those words of St. Paul's in his letter to the Philippians when it says, Jesus obediently accepted even death, death on a cross. Obedience. In this Christmas season, we can hardly exaggerate the important part that obedience plays in God's plan of salvation. We can't help but mention Mary's obedience to the words of the angel as she accepted her call to be the mother of our Savior. Joseph, too, demonstrated immediate, unquestioning obedience when the angel appeared to him in a dream to say, "'Joseph, son of David,' Do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home, for it is through the Holy Spirit that this child has been conceived in her. And just as immediate was his obedience when he took the child and his mother into Egypt to flee before the wrath of King Herod. The wise men obeyed, the shepherds obeyed, All responded, and today Jesus himself, although he was God, was obedient to Joseph and Mary. Although in those 12-year-old hands he held all the power and authority of the universe, he was obedient to Joseph and to Mary. And remember, had he not obeyed, obeyed the will of the Father, we could not have been saved. Obedience. That is the virtue we must practice, must adopt, must allow to grow if we wish our families to be healthy and happy and holy. Obedience. But isn't obedience a drag? I mean, we send dogs to obedience school. We think of obedience as something that sometimes people use as a way of just asserting their authority telling people to do things just to prove that they can. How easily we can misunderstand it. True, godly obedience is not a matter of blindly going along with a a bunch of arbitrary commands. God is not some petty individual or ringmaster or lion trainer who tells us to jump and we have to jump or roll over and we have to roll over. No, God's Perfect will is precisely what is best for us. He asks us only to do what is right and what is good and what is holy. His plan for us, his plan for our married life, our role as parents, as aunts and uncles, children and brothers and sisters, is the only way of life that can bring true and lasting joy. How easily we fall into the trap the trap of confusing passing pleasures with the fulfillment of true happiness. Is putting aside one's personal preferences and compromising with one's husband or wife difficult at times? Well, sure, but I would say it's not as difficult as stomping our feet and deciding to make every issue a battle. Is marital fidelity always easy? Perhaps not but how much better it is to have true joy and peace. Is it easy to be open to life, to have children? Hey, I won't be able to have all the toys I want. To give up those ideas and those things. Is it easy? Maybe not. But at the end of your life, is it your toys and your worldly possessions that will come to visit you? The great G.K. Chesterton once said, The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and left untried. Obedience. Try it. You'll like it. God has set out for us the plan for marriage and for family life. It works. It brings joy and peace and fulfillment. The Holy Family, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, were guided by and committed to obedience to the will of God. In all things. If you want your family to be truly happy, truly healthy, and truly holy, of course you do. Then you can do nothing more helpful than committing your own family to obediently following the will of God in all things. God wants nothing but good for you and from, from your family. Trust Him. And let the words of the old hymn be your guide. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey.